Yes, Boker Tov, everyone. Nesiva Shalom, Salonim Rabbi Parshas Kisavo. So we're doing the last piece in the Nesiva um, Shalom on the Parsha. Many beautiful pieces, mostly on Bikurim. And he says the following. Parsha says that God did not give you a heart to know and eyes to see and ears to hear until today. Now, one of those expressions is peculiar. Eyes see and ears hear, that we all know. But you wouldn't necessarily think that your heart knows. Lev ladaas. Usually your head knows, your heart feels. And yet the Torah talks about a, no, a feeling heart. I'm sorry, a knowing heart. So what does that mean? That day Moshe gave the Torah. The Jewish people came to Moshe and said, Moshe Rabbeinu. We too stood at Har Sinai. How come you're favoring your tribe? Why do Levi get access to the full uh, art scroll uh, library? And we, who too, who earn the Torah, should have access to Torah, the right to Torah, why do we not have access? So Moshe wasn't disappointed by their protest. He was very happy. So today you truly are a nation. Because this is not a matter of coercing you. You're not coming to class because you have to. The fact that you initiate, that you proactively are saying it's not fair to you, the fact that you're protesting is in itself evidence that you are a nation, that you are a people, that you are clinging and desire to be connected to Hashem. So what was it that motivated Moshe on that day? What did he see? The fact that they said, we too want access to the library, we want the Torah also, why are you favoring your tribe? That's what moved Moshe to be impressed? The, the fact that they endured the servitude of Mitzrayim? Or the heroism of Nachshon to walk into the split sea? Or the fact that they stood at Harsinai? All this mysterious nefesh, that didn't move Moshe? That didn't, that didn't impress him? What was it about this day in particular? What was different was on this day, Moshe noted that they weren't just doing things because they were commanded. Even the most obedient, who does exactly as they're told, but maybe they're just, their nature, they're designed to be obedient, so they do what they're told. How do you know it's what they desire? How do you know they've made their want conform to the will of Hashem? How do you know that they really yearn for a piece of it? So it was the fact that these people said, it's not fair to me. You see, based on what a person feels, it's not fair to them. You learn a lot about them. You learn a lot about them. <coughs> you have in the beginning of Parshas Baloscha when Aaron says, after the Nesim, at the end of Parshas Nasa, Aaron says, it's not fair to me. The Nesim got to bring all these karbonos, the section we read in Hanukkah, which seems redundant and repetitive. So says, Aaron says, it's not fair to me. I want to bring a carbon. I want access. I want opportunity. And what does Moshe say on behalf of Hashem? I'll tell you what I would have expected him to say. I would have expected him to say what we say to our children when they say it's not fair to me. We say you get what you get and you don't get upset. Life's not fair. Life's not fair. Tough nuggies. But Hashem, through Moshe, doesn't say that. What does it say to Aaron? Oh, oh you're upset? You, you also want to try? Oh, you know what? You don't get to bring a korban, but you and your progeny are going to be the ones who light the candelabra. Bahalos ches neros. What do you mean? Hashem should put Aaron in his place and say, what are you talking about? So Elamai, what do you see from here? That sometimes envy or jealousy, competitiveness for a good thing, for a noble cause, is healthy. It motivates. 
that maybe you should say, when it comes to your material physical things, but when it comes to your spiritual opportunities, don't necessarily be happy with your lot in life. You should want more. You should turn to Hashem and say, it's not fair to me. Aaron says it's not fair to me. The Gemara says that when we have jealousy and, and competitiveness among scholars, it yields greater wisdom. Everyone's trying to publish and make a name for themselves. And in the end of the day, you have more Torah, you have more Chachma as a result. So here, true, the Jewish people had been obedient. They did what they were told. Got out of Mitzrayim, they walked through the Yamsif, they stood on our Sinai, but they hadn't shown proactively this this competitiveness, this desire, this drive, that they also want a piece of it. And when Moshe sees that they too have this inner yearning, they want a piece of it, they have the drive for it, that's what moves him so much. How do you have a heart that knows? How do you have a knowing heart? How do you have eyes that see? How do you have ears that hear? Only when there's chavivas, when you have drive, when you have affection, when you have love, when you want something badly. So, when you're obedient, when you're passively obedient, when you're just mailing it in, when you're doing what you have to do, when you put in a check, so then you don't have that wisdom, you don't have that insight, you don't have that drive. What gives you the capacity to really see the depths, to really penetrate, to have eyes that really see? Ears that don't just hear the superficial, the surface, but they hear the depth, they hear the insight. To have a heart which doesn't just feel, but a heart that knows. What gives you that is this inner drive. The Harab Tzadik, Rabbi Yehuda Laib, Zechitzalik Lebrocha, Kososh, Kasher Mar, Nasab, Kedosh Mislanim, Chazar Amayim Rezeh, when the Rebbe would go over this, Nana Barosha Amar, Ay Chavivos, Ay Chavivos, that when the Slanim Rebbe would say this is a shtickle, he would say, Ay Chavivos, that as we go through life and we mail it in. You can be the holiest Jew. You came to Dafyomi, then you went to Davani. You Davani Bekavani, you put on your talis, you put on your tefillin. You made brachas before and after you ate. You were honest in business. You made it back from Mincha. You, you put a check next to all the to-do list of being a Jew. All 613, you're obedient. You do everything. That doesn't mean that you have drive, desire, chavivas, affection, love, that it's what you want. Maybe you put the check next to each of these things and you quickly discharge and dismiss it as if you're done with it. But now, ooh, check the box score, or to watch the Netflix, or to count your money, or to review the stock market. That's where the chavivas. So you see a lot about a person based on where the chavivas, where's the love, where's the affection, where's the drive, what's the desire? Pasuk says, Mishla Ishlafi Mahalalo, which is usually translated to mean a person according to how they are praised. In other words, if you want to know about David Kay, so. How is he praised? What do people say about him? What is, the, what is the greatness they praise him for? So that's how you get to know him. But Rabbi Yonah has a different shot. Rabbi Yonah says, Ish lefim mahalalo means, Ish, you want to get to know somebody? Lefim mahalalo. Check out what they praise. Look, look at what they admire. Check out what they pursue. Check out what their hobby is. Look for where their drive is. What drives them? What drives them? So when Moshe sees that the Jewish people are not just passively obedient, they're not just checking off, they're not just doing the right things, which you can be doing all the right things, but more than that, inside they have this chavivas, this drive, this yearning. This is where their love, this is where their passion is. This is where their passion is. The core, when it comes to a Jew, is the chavivas for Hashem, that awakens, arouses our avodah. When you do a mitzvah, even though, again, you put a check. You bought the most expensive arbaminim. You heard the perfect shofar. So you can put a check. Who can challenge that you did the mitzvah? Not only did you do the mitzvah, you did the mitzvah at an extremely high level. But you do it with chavivas. There's no drive, there's no affection, there's no love, there's no depth to it. It's kiguf below neshama. It's like a body with no soul. 
Why do we blow shofar both standing and sitting? In order to confuse this sutton. So Rashi explains Why are we trying to confuse the sutton? What we mean is we don't want the sutton to prosecute against us, to, to work against us, to undermine us. So when he hears the Jewish people, you blow the show for standing, you blow the show for sitting, you're mixing it up, you have drive, you have affection, you have love, you have passion for what's going on, he's silenced, he can't say anything. So when Sutton sees us just fulfilling the mitzvah, he has nothing to say. You came to show you slapped on your Thomas and Tefillin, you made your way through the words, you closed the sitter, you put a check next to Davin. Eh. Sutton's not threatened by that. Who's the Sutton? Of course, not the devil sitting on one of our shoulders. It means the inner voice of self-sabotage, the voice inside us that says, what's the point of this? So the Sutton's not threatened. That inner voice um, is not threatened when we mail it in, when we barely, when we barely do it. It's when we do it with passion, with drive, with enthusiasm, with excitement, with energy. So when we stand and sit for the shofar blowing, when we mix it up, when we keep our level of excitement and enthusiasm high, that's when the sultan's word. The parasha begins with the mitzvah of Bikurim. The farmer brings his first fruit. He's got to bring it to Yerushalayim. And uh, he has this, this recitation. Medrash says, Bikurim are called rishis, the first, first fruit. You see, the whole Torah is created for things that are firsts, including Bikurim. We have 613 mitzvahs, and we have many that are much more difficult. After all, what does the farmer have to do? He ties off his first fig that grows, his first fruit that grows, and then when it's ripe, he plucks it, and he brings it to Yerushalayim. How big a deal is that? Giving meiser is much harder. 10% is a much bigger deal than a fig. Rabbi J.J. Shechter is a beautiful word. I think he may have heard from his father. On, on this. He says, when it comes to Bikurim, you know, you look at the Rambam, based on the Mishnahis and Bikurim, there's pomp and circumstance and drama when the way you bring the Bikurim. There's a whole parade. Meiser is, is much, much more proportionally. You bring it 10%, and there's nothing. You bring it, you deposit it, you allocate it, you're done. Why is there a big party for Bikurim, pomp, circumstance, parade, fanfare, and Meiser, which is much more, there's nothing. You barely take notice. So he says, because Meiser, you take the last 10%. So what happens? The farmer, the farmer plows and plants and works the field and harvests and brings it all in and says, oh, got a good crop this year. You know what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine out of ten, 90%, I get to keep 10%. Eh, you know what? That's a pretty good deal. God's the senior partner. None of this could happen without him. And he only asks for 10%. He doesn't keep it for himself. He asks me to give it to his other children. That I can live with. When I get to keep the 90%, it's easy to live with giving away, easier to live with giving away the last 10%. But when it comes to Bikurim, the first fruit, so the first thing that grows, the farmer has to take and bring to Yerushalayim, he has no idea what's to come. What if that's not the first fruit? What if that's all the fruit? What if there's nothing more coming? But he still says, you know what? Bikurim, the first. The success of this whole project depends on Hashem. So the very first is not mine, doesn't belong to me. It belongs to the real owner, the real senior partner. So he takes the first and he brings it to Yerushalayim. It's a much bigger deal the Bikurim, even though it's smaller quantitatively, but qualitatively, what it reflects in terms of our expectation and, uh, and, and our appreciation is much, much greater. So back to the Salaam Rebbe. So he says, Mitzvah Bikurim, the uh, Medrash says that the whole world was created for this Mitzvah Bikurim. 
Now we have much harder mitzvahs, as I was saying until I got there. Meister is much harder. Shabbos is harder. Fasting on Yom Kippur is harder. We have many, many harder mitzvahs than bringing the first fruit. So why is Bikurim considered? Why is the Medrash say the whole world was created for Bikurim? Because Bikurim is reflective of the love, the enthusiasm, the zeal, the affection. You worked your field the whole year. You got ready. You anticipated. You looked forward. You finally see that first fruit. And what do you do? Abishter, I want you to have it. It's yours. It's yours. You see this fig, and you tie a, a, a band around it, and you say, this is holy for God. You've worked so hard, you've invested, you've put in your time, your energy, your risk, and, and now you're ready to get your return, this first fruit, and instead of keeping it and celebrating it, instead of putting it on your wall, instead of framing it, what do you do? You say, Hashem, this is for you. So that's love, that's affection. So what does it mean that the whole world is created in the merit of Bikurim? It doesn't mean the particular mitzvah, but it means the manner in which we do that mitzvah. The attitude with which we bring to the mitzvah is the reason Hashem created the world. You didn't get married for your spouse to mail it into you, and for you to mail it into your spouse. You know, here, here's the plate, here's dinner, slap it in front of you. You know, here's a gift, here's your card, it's your birthday, here's a stupid card, here's, put it in front of you. Well, what's your time now? What's your problem? I gave you a card. I did the thing, check, next to card, check, next to flowers, check, next, I took the garbage out, check, next to whatever it is. So that's not a marriage, that's not a relationship. That's external, it's superficial, that's a, that's a business merger, and maybe even not that. So what is the core of a healthy marriage? Why do we go into marriage? What do we get out of marriage? It's chavivus. It's the love, it's the affection, it's the passion, it's the enthusiasm. It's the willingness to compromise, to sacrifice, to give to one another. And that's exactly what Bikurim represents. Not just, God, here's your first fruit, take it. It's, it's the Chavivas. It's despite what this means to me, I want you to have it. Despite everything it means to me, it's yours. I want you to have it. And when we bring that attitude, that love, to every area, that's why Hashem created the world. The uh, acronym of Shabbos stands for Shabbos, it's time to return. Shabbos is a time of reflection. You look back on the previous week, the mistakes we made, and we energize for the coming week, how it's going to be the best one yet. As it says, the Pasuk says, When you call Shabbos Oneg, then you are able to Tisaneg. Tisaneg is Hitpael, it's the reflexive form of the verb. We make ourselves joyous. We make ourselves happy. We bring pleasure. In other words, how do you get high? Not just on a, on a delicious, incredible, expensive bottle of wine or a fine single malt scotch or the delicious, high-end, fat-free, lean corned beef or delicacy that was served at the Shabbos table. Those are all wonderful, and there's no doubt they are a kiyam of oneg, of a karasal of Shabbos oneg. There's no question they yield a great sense of pleasure in Shabbos. But as tis aneg, the highest high you can get is... Al Hashem. The highest, most lasting high is every other high. So, you know, as soon as you've digested the corned beef or the alcohol is out of your system, so it's gone. It was fleeting. It didn't last. It was pleasurable while you experienced it. You probably want to go back to it again. In fact, because it doesn't last, you have a craving to go back to it again. Um, but it doesn't last. The only high that's lasting, that's transformative, that stays with you, that changes you, is Tisaneg Al Hashem. 
the oneg, when you get high on God, and you experience that pintalid, you experience that spark, staying up all night, sharing the Torah, and singing Zmiros, and being with your family, and feeling connected, and that's transformative. That just, that energizes you and powers you to the next Shabbos. So the reason that Shabbos is transformative and is such a catalyst of tshuva is because it is the day that we're disconnected from the to-do list, we're disconnected from everything we have to do at work, we're disconnected from all the pressures and the chaos of the world, we're disconnected from the new cycle, and what's left? Shabbos bo tashuv. We're able to be reflective, we're able to disconnect in order to connect, we're able to be mindful. Vizel, and that's what it says in the Medjish that honoring Shabbos is greater than fasting a thousand fasts. Why? Shabbos is maybe the greatest example that it can be experienced in exactly one of those two ways. You can experience Shabbos superficially. Like, what's your problem, God? I didn't violate any malacha. You can't show, I didn't turn on the TV, I didn't drive my car, I didn't, uh, I was going to say swim on Shabbos, but after last year, I didn't, um, check my email. I didn't check my email, I didn't text, like, what's your problem? I didn't do anything wrong, and, and I did everything right. I made it to the minion, I said Kiddush, we had the quick meal, what's your pro- I did everything. You could be Yota, you could put check marks next to Shabbos, did, 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 done, 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 good, good, good. But that's not what Shabbos is. That's not Shabbos. Shabbos is is transformative. It's immersive. You immerse yourself in Shabbos and you're, you draw your energy from Shabbos. There's no rush from Shabbos. There's no, you get a rush from Shabbos. You don't rush out of Shabbos. So it's perhaps the greatest example of it. And that's why when a person experiences real Tanakh Shabbos, which is to get high on Hashem, singing those mirrors, moved by song, that the L'chaim is there not to indulge in, in, uh, in an alcoholic experience, not to get inebriated to escape from the world, but it's taking away inhibition or relaxing you to be able to, to tap into the true world. Right? So everything can be used in, in either direction. So Shabbos is a prime example of exactly this. Our Pasha Kisavo has the second. We have B'chukosai now in Kisavo. We have the harsh rebuke. Pasuk says that all of the curses will be visited upon you because you didn't listen to God. You didn't observe His mitzvahs. All the things He commanded you. And then Why do we experience the klala? Why is the curse visited upon us? We are visited by this horrific, graphic devastation. Why? Because we didn't serve Hashem b'simcha u'v'tuv levav. Which is, a, it's an incredible comment. Right, again, what do you mean... What right do you have an opinion about how I feel about what I'm doing? I'm doing it. God, command a world of action. How could you command a world of emotion? Tell me what to do. How could you tell me how to feel? So imagine saying that in your marriage. Honey, I took out the guy. I bought you the anniversary card. I gave you the flowers. Don't, don't tell me how to do it with love or with affection, how to feel to you. Check, 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 check. Here's the jewelry, the flowers, the, 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 the chores. The... Check. She says, check. That's not why we stood under a chuppah for you to check off the to-do list. That's not why I, I, I pledged to spend the rest of my life with you so that you can just say you were Yotze, you did the things externally. It's all about the feeling. It's all about the connection. It's all about the intimacy. It's all about the love. That's why we went into this. So Kodesh Baruch says the same thing. Don't just put check, check, check. Where's the simcha? Where's the joy? Where's the love? 
Where's the affection? That's what it's all about. What do you mean? We already said that the reason you're visited by these curses is because you didn't observe. So why are we giving a second reason? It's a different reason. We already said the whole reason that you're visited by these curses is because you neglected Hashem. You dismissed His will. Oh, and also, you didn't do things with love and affection and enthusiasm. So which is it? That's Really? The most harsh, the most strong, powerful, potent punishment comes because you didn't smile, because you weren't happy, because you didn't do it with a joy for life. So Rechaim, in fact, is bothered so much by this question, he breaks the Kalalus into two. And he says that the first, the first set of curses are visited upon you. Why? Because you didn't listen to God. You neglected His will. But the curses that we're going to enumerate now, the next set are because you didn't do it with joy. But says the Son of Rebbe, unlike the Rechaim, no. They're both talking about the exact same thing. You can make up for a lot of failed check marks with a little bit of love. The checks that you missed, I forgot to take out the garbage. I didn't get you the thing. I didn't pick up the kid. I didn't do the whatever. But you know what? A little bit of love now, not fake, counterfeit love. A little bit of authentic, authentic love, affection, commitment to do the next things right can compensate for the things that were done wrong. And this is what's expected. This is what's demanded of a Jew. So you looked at that thing. You said that thing. You ate that thing. You went that place. You, your Yetzahara overcame you. You gave in to the Yetzahara. It overwhelmed. It overpowered you. But after you made the mistake, you could, you could come back. When there's passion, when there's love, when there's commitment. Whether it's through Shabbos, Shabbos is all about Shuva. We give a Shabbos Shuva about that once. There's a lot of themes. Adam, Adam and Chava, where Shabbos fit in within their being expelled. And Shabbos is the theme, we don't think of it. We think of it as Zechiel Mitzrayim, Zechiel Mitzrayim, having to do with the Exodus and creation. But Shuva is a major theme of Shabbos. That on Shabbos we earn the right for the week ahead. We're reflective of the previous week and we power ourselves for the week ahead. So how do we express love and affection, whether it's through experiencing Shabbos in its most authentic form, or simply everything that we do, that we do with love? How do we get a knowing heart, a discerning heart, a wise heart, an insightful heart? We achieve it, we acquire it, when we do things with love. We can truly see and we can truly hear. It's like in marriage. When can you really finish the other person's sentence? When can you really see the depth of their soul, the goodness in them? When can you really gain the highest appreciation of them? Not when you are living a superficial external life where you're just checking off the column, but when there's a chavivas, when there's a love, when there's affection, when there's a commitment, when there's a passion, when there's drive. And that's what it means in the parsha. Tachas hashelo avarata, a pasuk. Tachas hashelo avarata. She'amna maklolos bos kilo shemata bekolos shemelokacha lishmor mitzvah sov. True, 
that the curses, the punishment comes because we neglected Hashem. But we can sweeten, we can, we can lessen the harshness of the punishment if we would just now return and restore a sense of love and a sense of longing. Are we miserable, fabisan, and negative Jews? I wish I didn't have to keep Shabbos, but I got to do it. I wish I didn't have to keep kosher. There's so many restaurants I'd want to go to, but what can I do? I wish I lived a country club life, but now I have to live an observant Torah life because otherwise I'm afraid or I'm scared or the social pressure or that's what my family's done or whatever. What kind of love, what kind of life, what kind of marriage is that to Hashem Yisbarach? This is supposed to be a romantic relationship with Hashem. Confide in Him and we, and we trust Him and we experience a rendezvous with Him and intimacy with Him and love with Him and longing for Him. It's supposed to be, there's supposed to be romance. So when we do these mitzvahs, when we come to do these mitzvahs, we're doing them with a sense of love. This is something that only we have. This is something that only we have. You know, like, your wife's best friend crossed her and did something terrible to her. It's not enough that now she says something nice and affectionate to her. That doesn't make up for it. Only when you're an insider, when you're a husband, and you have a shared history, and a shared connection, and a shared destiny, can you compensate and make up for some missed things on the checklist with a little chavivas, a little romance, a little love. Again, it's not to suggest that you can sugarcoat, right? You can't really mess up and then just buy some chocolates and flowers and everything goes away. But it means that even the things that you're doing now that are not just superficial chocolates and flowers, but are real, are done with a chavivas. So we, the Jewish people, are the inside track with the Ribbonu Shalom. We can be forgiven for the mistakes we've made if when we come back, what we do, we do with more sincerity, mindfulness, presence, with more love, than ever before. And this is what it says in the Svarim HaKadosh Meshem Medrash, Tachas HaShel HaVadosh HaMakech HaVadosh What is it talking about when it says that you, you mailed it in, you didn't live with joy? Shabbos. Yes, during the week you messed up. You ate without making a bracha. You looked at things on the internet you shouldn't have looked at. You forwarded jokes you shouldn't have forwarded. You did things in business you shouldn't have... Whatever the examples are. During the week we messed up. We spoke Lashonara. It's hard. It's very hard. It's hard as an incredibly powerful force. We messed up. But come Shabbos Kaidesh, And now you get to see the best version of you. The real version of you. The weekday Vachadika version of you. The version of you that's trying to earn enough money to pay the bills. That's trying to get through the day. That's trying to succeed in overcoming the temptations of the internet. The weekday version of you, that doesn't necessarily represent the real us or the best version of us. But Shabbos, Shabbos is the best version of us. Shabbos is when we are disconnected from those distractions, from those temptations. When we are immersed. Shabbos is when you have time to learn, to sing, to listen, to daven. There's no rush, there's no place to be, there's no to-do list, there's no work to be done. Shabbos is that potential for the best version of ourselves. And that's why the Medrash says, when you don't do so, that was Shabbos. If you blow that chance of Shabbos, the week, 24 hours in a week, we have an ear mikla, we have a city of refuge. 24 hours a week, we have a safe space to go to, called Shabbos. Take advantage of it. Even if you made a mistake and you didn't, now you can overcome. The Gemara says, even if you worshipped idols, like the generation of Enosh, but then you kept Shabbos, you're forgiven. Really? That's so pathetic. All week you, you worship idols and you keep Shabbos. That means that you, you, you tapped into the power of Shabbos. 
ולכך במצוות תקיע שופר שעניינו להמתיק הדינים, הרי יוסי מעצם המצווה מסערבי ויוסי עשות מגודל חביבה של ישראל בקיים המצווה, שזה ממתיק את כל הדינים. So the standing, the sitting, the mixing it up with the shofar is all to confuse the satan. What we're showing him is that we're not just passively listening to the shofar, curious whether the baltokeh is going to mess up, will he get it, how, look how red his face is, look how big his cheeks are. We're not just passively listening, we're closing our eyes, and the alarm of the shofar is arousing us, it's awakening us. Like the Rambam, Uru Uru Mishnaschem, awaken from your slumber, from your sleep. Stop sleepwalking through life. Basically, you can be doing all the right things and sleepwalking through your marriage and sleepwalking through work and sleepwalking through your relationship with Hashem. Ah, at the end of the day, did you put a check next to everything you were supposed to? Yes. Does it make you a good boy? Maybe. But it doesn't make you a good husband. It doesn't make you a good, a good businessman. It doesn't make you a good servant of Hashem. It doesn't make you really present in the relationship. You can't vote present. You know, in Congress, you can vote present. But in a relationship, you can't just vote present. You got to affirm, you gotta, you gotta vote positively, you gotta sh- more than just show up. So Shabbos is the prime example of not just showing up, not just voting pre- present, I'm present, I didn't do malacha, I did the mitzvah, present, fine. No, it's a time to really experience a honeymoon with Hashem, it's an opportunity at the end of each week and the beginning of the coming week, and this period of Elul, Bichlal, in general, is a time to review everything we're doing, so we're not just doing it as a checklist, but we are energizing it and empowering it with a sense of meaning, a sense of presence, a sense of affection, a sense of love, a sense of passion, a sense of excitement for what we're doing. Remember the first time you put on tefillin as a bar mitzvah boy? You put it on, oh no, I didn't get it right, did it again, oh, what does it mean, what does it represent, what's the symbolism on the arm, on the head, the erastich lila olam, saying the words, looking in the mirror, getting it just right. And now, do you even remember you wore tefillin? That sounds familiar, I think I put tefillin on, I remember bringing my tefillin back to shul, but do you really, do you remember the presence of just, for a moment, it's brought down by the Tzvarim, when you put on your talus, the Zatif Petzitzis, that you're not just draping yourself like an Arab merchant to wrapping it around your head, but the moment when you make the bracha and you actually wrap yourself, you're supposed to feel the Rebbe Hashem is giving you a hug. You are encased in Hashem's love. You feel His embrace. So when you're running it and you slap it on, you quickly, who has time for that? But when you put it on, and you're supposed to wait, the time it takes to walk six feet, which is, very little, but you feel it wrapped around you, and you just take a moment to feel that love. To, you woke up that day, you woke up that morning. Are things going well? How's your family? Do you have a roof? Do you have a job to go to? Do you have a car to get to shul? Do you have a good day planned ahead with, with things that you look forward to? Feel the love of Hashem. It's romance. Just like marriages and just like relationships can get stale and they need an injection of passion and of love and of romance, so to our relationship with Hashem. And that's Elohim. It's not just to be mailing it in but to inject a sense of passion into our relationship as well. Have a fantastic day.